0: Welcome to Cornerstone Assembly of God's weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us. You can head over to cornerstoneaog.com to find information on different ministries that we offer. Thank you for downloading. Now I think it's time we listen to this week's sermon. Let me just say, men, if you walked in and you sat through the service and you're like, it's what? Oh, buddy. Well, let me tell you that it was, uh, I don't know, maybe about a month ago when God started putting this message in my heart about um, the heart of the matter and, you know, the different elements for it. And then, lo and behold, a couple weeks ago, I'm like, that's going to be on Valentine's Day. Like, God must have known that, huh? He's so creative. Well, as you can see, i put together a table full of some common Valentine's gifts. So um, I love giving gifts because that's one of my love languages. So let me just start with um, who here has been married the longest? I know, look at the old people, right? <laughs> Must be them. How many years? 51, it feels like 52. No, that that doesn't sound like, that's not good. Anybody more than 51? That's it? That's enough. <laughs> how about some chocolate? Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Who is a couple, and this is their first Valentine's Day together? Their first Valentine's Day together. No? 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 Well, how about... Josh, let me ask you something, did you give your fiancé a Valentine's gift yet? You did? Good man, don't you ever forget. Here's another one. (laughs) Give that to her. Do I have any singles in here today? Singles? 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 Who's been single the longest? Look at the old people. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Eh, uh, eh. Uh, Tony. Oh. Uh. Single the longest. I think Tony, Dylan. How old are you, Dominic? How old are you? Huh? Twenty-five. Now, wait a minute. You guys didn't look around and say, "Ooh, who else is single here?" You were trying to. She's like scoping out the field. Who else? Tony? Yeah? You like peanut butter and chocolate, Tony? <laughs> there you go, buddy. It's good for a man to be single, let me tell you that. Um, how, about <laughs> how many couples here, let, let me ask the ladies. Ladies, how many married ladies here have not received a gift yet? Ah, two, ladies, three, okay, here's, here you go, Vicky. Vicki. And I said yet because I know that they're still thinking of it. Here you go, Missy. Here you go. Let me ask, how many ladies gave their men gifts today? One, two, three. You're not a lady, Tom. Oh, your wife did give you a gift. Good job. Did you give her one yet? Did your husband give you one yet? Where is it? Crystal, did your husband give you a gift yet? Who is the other? Betty? Dale? You better learn something here. How nice is that? That is just, but I have... I have some flowers here. Does anybody like flowers? Yeah. yeah, yeah? Deborah, here you go. These are for you. We love you, Deborah. And what, who were the men, stand-up men, that gave their wife a gift? Come on, let me just see you. Good job, good job, good job. Any of these men didn't receive a gift yet from their wife? You didn't? He said, Troy, here you go, buddy. Right there, the biggest gift, right there. Here you go. You're the man, right there. Tammy, I've got this last one. This is for you, just because you always do so many nice things for me. Look at that. What's that little guy say? Well, I don't want you to be mine, but I want you to be my administrative assistant forever. Yeah. So, how many people are here that just hates Valentine's Day? No candy for any of you! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I have candy for everybody. Can I have the guys come and help me hand out? And so appropriate today, these are little sweetheart hearts for everybody today. Just throw them <laughs> in. One more helper. You got it? There you go. All right, no, I don't want your empty boxes up here. Such men. They just leave their trash. Put it over here. Put it over here. I can't work when there's trash around me like that. All right, if you can focus on me while they're handing out your candy... I want to go through a few lessons that we've learned so far in our Marriage Enrichment Life Group. But let me tell you, if you're not married, if you're single, if you're not married yet, Josh, are you paying attention? Okay. Even if you're not in a relationship, let me encourage you that the truths, that married couples learn how to communicate and how to work with each other is appropriate for anyone communicating with the opposite sex. And if you don't believe me, I was in the middle, a few years ago, in the middle of one of these marriage groups, and I was with some girls, and we were shopping at the mall, and one of the girls, single girl, she was trying to communicate to her worship team member, who was a man, who was also single, and they started arguing via text. And she stopped in, in the middle of the mall and, oh, I'm so tired, why does he fight me on everything? Why can't he just do what I say? So I said, okay, stop right here. Let me read the text. I read the text. I said, write this. And using the principles that I learned in marriage enrichment classes, I told her how to say exactly the same thing she wanted to say. And she even looked at me. She goes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I said, but it's not how you were saying it. I said, send it. (sighs) She sent it. Two minutes we stood there because she's like, well, what are we supposed to do? I said, wait for it. Two minutes comes back the text. Well, of course I can do that. That's exactly what I was trying to say. She goes, he wasn't saying that. I said, yes, he was. You just were hearing it, ladies, what is it called? Through pink ears. He was saying it through his blue microphone. See, women and men see things differently and hear things differently. doesn't make it wrong. It's just different. So when I share these marriage lessons that we're learning so far in our life group, even if you're not married, you heard that, right? Okay. Even if you're... It's because I'm a loud talker, isn't it? I don't care. Even if you're not married, use these same principles and you will be just amazed at how you can... You'll be a true wordsmith. No, you'll be able to communicate better. All right, let's start with men. Men, we don't need you to fix us. Just listen to us. Women... Men can handle almost anything, but trying to understand your feelings is like driving a bumper car at an amusement park. <laughs> it's, it's what it what it, uh, it men just look at us when we're talking. It says a ton without saying a word. Women. Just sit down with them and don't say a word. It says a ton without saying a word. Men, we ask a bunch of questions not to interrogate, but to know everything's okay. And just saying everything's okay is not enough. We need details, lots and lots of details. Men, sorry, women, women, Tell him what you're thinking. Don't assume he can read your mind. He needs details, lots and lots of details. Men, yes, we can be thinking about everything all the time, and at the same time, because to us, it's all connected somehow. And women, the next time your husband says he's thinking about nothing, Understand inside every man is a nothing box, box where he finds peace and rest. And so, yes, he really is thinking about nothing. Okay, the last few are for both men and women. Knowing the deepest need of a woman is to feel love, and the deepest need of a man is to feel respected. Be the more mature one who shows him respect even when you don't feel loved. And show her love unconditionally even when you don't feel respected. Both men and women, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7.28 that married couples will have trouble It's a normal part of your marriage, so don't be ashamed of it. Work on it. Grow from it. Don't be embarrassed to ask for help. Satan gains a foothold only in your marriage when he can trick you into believing that you need to hide your troubles. You know, Jesus lived a sinless life because he wasn't married and I don't know if it was just me or if it really was the Holy Spirit that said that to me this morning, but I'm like, yeah! <laughs> he knew that scripture was coming. That's right. <laughs> he knew he couldn't live simply <laughs> be married. Sorry, Lord. Anyway. Last, love's completion is not have. You're happily ever after in your marriage. Your relationship with God is the end result that will last forever. Your partner is only a proving ground. Because the scripture says, how can you love a God that you cannot see if you can't love the one you do see? God is more concerned with making you holy, not happy. So let me ask again, how many here are married? Leave your hands up. Look around. Look around. Look at the other people. You're married. The ones that are having trouble in your marriage, leave your hands up. If you're having trouble in your marriage, don't try to excuse it. Don't try to hide it. Brian, put your hand up, honey. It's okay. (laughs) Don't hide it. Don't be embarrassed. The scripture says, if you're married, you will have trouble. So before we go any farther, every married couple, stand up. Take the hand of your spouse. (laughs) Or hold your own hand if you're here without your spouse, Tom. I don't know what to tell you. And let's pray for marriages before we go any farther. Let me tell you that I want, and we prayed this Thursday night, I want this church to be known as a church of exampled marriages, godly examples of not perfect marriages, and if you're looking for it, you're not going to find it, sorry, <coughs> but marriages that are building a relationship with their Heavenly Father. That's the hap- happily ever after. That's the end result. This is just the proving ground. This is the one I get to love to show my heavenly father how much I love him. So let's pray for marriages right now. God, we just lift these married couples up to you. God, we take comfort in knowing that you're not calling us to a perfect marriage. You're calling us to a relationship, a deeper relationship. Lord, that we can partner with each other and lift each other up closer to you. God, that we don't have to do this alone. God, that we aren't, Lord, just trusting our heart to this individual. We are trusting our heart to you and proving everything that we do when we love this individual beside us is to show you how much we love you. God, I just ask that you continue to build these strong marriages cemented in your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your compassion, God, that we would be quick to forgive. We would be quick to show love when we don't feel respected and and quick to show respect when we don't feel loved. God, not because of that person. They might not deserve it even at that moment, but you always do. And help us use our spouse as a love gift to you, Lord. And by doing so, you grow us closer together that you knit our hearts together with you. And, Father, we thank you for that. And we give ourselves to you as a love offering back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in closing, no, I'm just kidding. So turn with me and your Bible over to Proverbs chapter 4, starting with verse 20. Today the message title is Matters of the Heart. In Proverbs chapter 4, should be a smack dab in the middle of your Bible, or if you're electronic, amen to that. Don't we love that? Proverbs chapter 4, starting with verse 20, says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. When I was putting this message together, when God was giving me... um, the different elements of the message, I learned and discovered that there's really three different types of heart wi- hearts which you'll see represented here that is left on the table with these uh, candy boxes that there's the first heart, which is um, kind of messy it, it looks like yeah, it mm. Looks like it's been picked at, plucked at. Some are even missing. Doesn't look too appetizing, does it? Tony, you don't want to even touch this one, do you? No, I didn't think so. And then over here, the second heart I discovered was, well, it's... Well, let's just call it the hard heart. it's there's nothing there it's it's yeah, it's just well dust, and then um the last heart, let's see if, hey, oh, hello, beautiful. It is a whole heart, completely ready to be shared. It's a healthy heart. it looks good, doesn't it i I even want to lick a little of that heart. Mm -hmm. That looks good. But there's three hearts. There's the hurt heart, there's the hard heart, and there's the whole heart. And your heart is either in one of these three places. But the first one I want to talk about, the hurt heart. How can love come out of a hurt heart? What do you think comes out of this kind of a heart? Hurt people hurt people, right? It's been said over and over again. But what of the Christian that's sitting here today with a hurt heart? They're not trying to be vindic. They're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to hurt. They're just trying to love with a hurt heart. How can we love with a hurt heart? A hurt heart can happen to any of us, an unintended comment, a vindictive relative, a lost love, an unmet expectation. The list can go on and on. But the focus should not be on the reason it's hurt. And see, that's what most people do who have a hurt heart. They constantly want to draw attention to it, to the reason it got like this. Do you know the reason it got like this? Let me tell you. And it cannot heal if it's constantly being ripped open, that scab ripped open and say, look at it, look what happened, look what that person said, look what that person did, it can't heal. So you can't keep focusing on the reason it's hurt. You need to find out the answer to it's hurt. How? If you're sitting here today and you realize, I do have a hurt heart, stop focusing on how it got that way. Start focusing on how to get it away from there and over here. How do I go from here, the hurt heart, the mess, to here, the whole heart, the healed heart, the healthy heart? The focus should not be on the reason it's hurt, but the answer to its hurt. Allow me to read to you just an excerpt from my journal, something I just recently went through that played a part in writing this message. I recently went through a very, well, let's just call it an emotional loss. I was expecting a certain situation to play out just like I had been hoping, and when the time arrived, it seems I had been the only one believing for a better return than I received in the past. This situation brought back a flood of disappointment and immediately tried to throw me into a pit of depression. Thankfully, over the last year, I've cultivated a relationship with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to go right to work at walking me correctly through this valley. I needed to acknowledge that I was hurt without exaggerating my feelings. Right, ladies? We learned that. I knew that I needed to communicate my hurt to the individuals individual, but not until I had spent time with God for him to heal my hurt. My big revelation came from what seemed like an impossible command from God. Love them and don't hold this against them. What? How can you love out of a hurt heart? When you're hurt, hate wants to fill your heart. But remember, When you let hate come in your heart, he does not come alone. Bitterness, envy, discord, jealousy, unforgiveness are his followers. How do you put love in where hurt and hate wants to reside? The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I'm teaching you how to love when others won't love you back. How was Jesus able to say, forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. And hold not this sin against them. While he was dying for them. As I sat there, I heard God's voice say, Brenda. No, he doesn't call me Pastor Brenda. (laughs) Brenda. Am I not enough for you? Can't you trust me with your heart? I can't love out of a hurt heart, but God can pour his love through me. And like the widow's oil, when we trust God with our heart first, he can keep pouring his love through us. See, the first day I met my husband, and when I stood at the altar, all the cards, all the poems, all the movies want to say, I handed him my heart. Well, if I did, I'm expecting hurt to come because he's a man who's impossible of perfect love. Even the most perfect man is impossible of perfect love. But when I'm able to trust God with my heart, he can pour his love through that heart, heal that heart, and reciprocate, reciprocate that love back again perpetually coming back again it's not a river that just flows it's it's i don't i don't even know what it is it just continues to circle back around i'm not saying that you'll never get hurt again if you follow your spirit and not your soul cuz remember that's where your feelings get hurt feelings come from your soul your emotions What I am saying is that when, not if, you get hurt and you choose to trust God with your love, his love is and always will be more than enough. You don't have to wait for your spouse to fill your love tank. God is the only one. If you're a single person here today, you're not waiting for that one person to fill your love tank. If you are, you're going to be in for a world of hurt. God has to be the only one, the one, the first one, to fill that love tank, and then you can love your spouse properly. Then you can love others properly. The only way to go from a hurt heart To a whole heart is to hide your heart in Christ. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things, your emotions. See, he's talking about your emotions, your feelings. Set them. On things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So you have to imagine the only way that this hurt heart can go to a whole heart, a healed heart, is when you hide that heart in Christ. When you give Him your hurt, your broken, your teared up, your picked at, your plucked at, your broken heart when you hand that to him he takes it and hides it in himself trust me he said trust me a hurt oh, sorry a heart hidden in Christ is whole matter number 2 how can love come from a hard heart a hard heart is just an untapped heart For whatever reason you're you just stopped loving. And if you don't know if you have a hard heart, just ask a family member, they'll tell you. <laughs> don't ask a friend, they'll lie to you. Yeah. No, everything's perfect, man. Oh, you say you love this or you love that, but reality is you're not loving right. I believe people with a hard heart have a hard time loving others because they don't even love themselves. I believe that's the number one reason most people have a hard heart. It's because they don't know how to receive love. They can't even love themselves, so how can I love others? I was listening to a podcast yesterday and a preacher confirmed the same point. I love it how God is so good. I mean, all over the world. I used to get so upset because I would search and diligently search the scripture and pray on my face and snot and drool and get a message and come here only for somebody to say, Hey, I heard that same thing yesterday. I'm like, What? (laughs) What? There's one spirit, there's one God. When he's trying to tell his people something, it, yeah, he, we're all, yeah. Anyway, this preacher confirmed the same point. He said we will actually sabotage our relationships with others if we don't even love ourselves. Because you don't know how to love others. Because you, you can't love yourself. And you will actually sabotage those relationships. Because I, I can't take this any farther. So um, i got stuff to do. <laughs> nope, I'm too busy, sorry. I ain't got time for that. I know you've read this over and over again, and Pastor Neil shared it last week in Matthew 22. Let's look at this again. Verses 36 through 39 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as, as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. The hard heart, the empty heart, the dusty heart is there because it doesn't know something happened in their past whether it was a lack of love from a parent it was a misplaced love for some reason maybe it was the image i mean i remember growing up and kids are harsh in school harsh in school and i remember the image the self-image you know you had to look just right you had to say just the right things and If you didn't, those words cut. I mean, what liar came up with sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never, liar! That's the ones I'd rather have you slap me across the face than say a word that sticks. Because they stick. I mean, you can laugh them off and, yeah, that don't bother me, and then you go home, It's so ugly, right? Come on, ladies, look in the mirror. So whatever reason that you're having a hard time loving yourself, let me show you something. A hard heart needs to be shown how to love right. In John 15, I'm going to read this to you out of the message version, put it up on the screen for you. Verse 11 says, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy, and that's another thing, people with a hard heart have a hard time having joy. They don't understand it because they can't even love themselves. What's there to be joyful about? But he said, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way, here it is, I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I no longer am calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. How? How can we turn a hard heart into a whole heart? You need to receive the love of the Father. You need to receive that love that he gives to you. You need to begin to love yourself the way God loves you. Oh, Brenda, that's unhealthy. No, it's not. Now, I'm not talking about a boastful, prideful, you know. What, what did you share, Vicki? That's awesome. God is, says, you are the apple of my eye. You are my favorite. So even if you have to, I think I did a message a while ago that says, when you look at your mirror, write things. Take take a uh, hello, yeah, <laughs> lipstick. Right, take a marker, whatever. Write all over your mirror. I am beautiful in God's sight. I'm a princess. I'm a king. I'm a prince. I'm God's holy possession. I'm loved. I'm secure. I'm forgiven. I'm full of grace, full of joy, full of mercy. You need to begin loving yourself the way Jesus loves you. Then you can love others as yourself. Because right now, let me tell you, this is how you're loving others. If you think I'm okay with this hard heart, This is how you're loving others. It's empty, dusty. It it, it gives no medicinal value. (laughs) It gives them nothing. You have to receive the love for yourself before you can love others as yourself. The heart of the matter is simply love. love. How do we live with a healthy, whole heart? Let me tell you something. Stop trying to live right and start trying to love right. Don't focus on the right things you need to do. Focus on how you need to love. Things just kind of fall into place when you focus on love. The scripture we read earlier says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's the first and greatest. And the second one is just as weighty as the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that goes on to say, all the law of the prophets hang on these two. You don't have to worry about anything else. If you, number one, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you're supposed to love yourself everything else. So stop trying to live right and begin focusing on loving right. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, again I'll read it to you in the message version, says the whole point of what we're urging is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith, a life open to God. Those who fail to keep to this point soon wander off into cul de sacs of gossip. They set themselves up as experts on religious issues, but haven't the remotest idea of what they're holding forth with with such imposing eloquence. You ever sit down with somebody and think, that's just a lot of hot air? What are they even saying? That's exactly what this scripture is pointing to. They have no idea. And what what did they wander away from? Simple love. Because they can't grasp the profound truth behind simple love, they try to build themselves up, boasting of all this knowledge that they have. And let me tell you, I've heard over and over again, people come to me, oh, I know the scripture, and I know, and did you realize that before Adam and Eve, there was a whole world of people, and do you know who he went and sent his sons to go marry? And I'm like, I don't care. Where's the love in that? How does that change my life now? Simple love. This is not a book of knowledge. Oh, if you search it correctly. If you handle it correctly, it will give you wisdom. It will give you knowledge. But this is a love letter. And if it's not received as such, it will just be a bunch of hot air you blow out of your, well, anyway. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for stopping me right there. It's a love letter. Simple love. Love. Writer Peter Scazzario is right in saying, Jesus modeled incarnating love when he took on flesh, entered our world, and walked in our shoes. His love compelled him to cross two worlds, heaven and earth, and live among us in order for us to love others as Jesus did We, too, need to cross into other people's worlds, enter life in their shoes while holding on to our own world as well. I see, and it breaks my heart, Christians holding on, holding on in their faith. God, I just need to hold on until you come back. Hold on. I'm sorry, but we've been given a mission he didn't just, he didn't, his last words weren't, just hold on till I get back. He didn't say, just lock yourself in your house, read the Bible, pray 24-7, and wait till I get back. That's a selfish Christian life. He gave us a mission. He commissioned us to go. Go. He said, you know what, you're okay now. Now go and get other people before I come back. And I'll tell you, it is nice to come to church and throw up our arms and just feel like we're just getting filled and filled and filled. But if that's all you do, you're getting fatter and fatter and fatter. I love you, Lord. <laughs> Stay puff, marshmallow man, you know? If all you're doing is feasting off God, come on. He said, I, I've given you my word so you could go take it to somebody else. I've given you my love so you can love others as I love you. It's not so we can sit around, hold hands, and sing kumbaya and wait till Jesus comes back. Because I'm sorry, but when I think about, when I think about that truth, and I think about it one time we had 12 people in our house. Amy, I sympathize. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you, I looked for the ones that were doing what I asked them to do. Not the ones with their heads stuck in the refrigerator just eating everything I provide. Right? Sure, I want them to eat, but I want them to eat to get healthy, to go do what I told you to do. I provided things for you so you could go do what I told you to do. And I don't know, we did learn in marriage enrichment in class, women don't like to see men just laying around. But we learn that sometimes you need that. So rest is okay. It's needed. But like I said, I'm not talking about the rest and that nothing box that sometimes we just need to go to. Men, we don't have it, sorry. But you do, and we understand. It's there. Rest is needed. Refreshing is needed. Feasting is needed to fill you up, give you the strength you need to go out and do what you're supposed to do. Jesus teaches us, teaches us, teaches us. Jesus teaches that we must be compelled by love. Love is the fuel that keeps us going, doing what God has called us to do, motivating and driving us. As long as we keep that love tank full, we will be passionate, focused, tenacious, faithful, healthy disciple with a whole heart. And what do we have to do? Focus on love. Simple love. That's it. When Jesus was being accused, beaten and crucified, the Bible says that he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and he didn't say a word. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't retaliate. He didn't stand up and say, I'll get even with you. I will never love you again. I am not offering forgiveness to them until they ask me for forgiveness first. But when people hurt us, Oh, yeah, what do we want to do? Not going there again. What happens? These are the hearts that happen when we're not in his love. It's either going to get hurt, tore apart, and it's just nasty. Or it's going to get hardened. This is the only way. Hiding your heart in Christ. He didn't lash out. He simply loved them unconditionally. And let me share with you, we're commanded to love as Jesus loved, unconditionally. And let me talk to you um, for a second that you have a hard time loving yourself unconditionally. Because you can't love your neighbor. You can't love other people unconditionally until you can love yourself unconditionally. And, but we've, we've believed a lie, and it's called performance-based love. And boy, we don't like talking about it, because if we talk about it, we hear it, and we are like, what? That doesn't make sense. But we believe it. Let me ask you, and just answer to yourself, Do you feel like God loves you more when you've done everything your husband's told you to do and you didn't lash out at the kids today, you didn't have a blowout day? Do you feel like God loves you more when you've had a good day? If that's true, then that means that God loves us, the good Christian, more than he loves the sinner. That's a lie from the pits of hell. That's called performance-based love, and it's not true. When you feel like you can be loved more by God because you've done a better job today, that's a lie. God doesn't love you any more. He doesn't love you any less. He can't love you more than he loves the sinner. He loves unconditionally. He loves not based on performance. He loves simple love, unconditional, anything else is a lie. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, you could be 99 of you in here and I feel that one has wandered away. I'm going to leave the 99 and go after the one. When he went to the cross and died, he didn't die for the righteous. He said, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He can't love you any more based on your performance. He can't love you any less. And so if we're supposed to love as Jesus loves, it cannot be based on that person's performance. That love has to be unconditional. And that was a hard lesson for me to grab a hold of. Because growing up, i had to guard i felt like i had to guard my heart i had to guard my emotions i had to have walls built around me that nobody could get very close to me because if they did let them in they were going to hurt me and how can you love out of a hurt heart only one way you have to hide that heart in christ You have to trust him with your heart. He's trying to teach you how to love like Jesus did. That while they're sinners, while you're feeling disrespected, while you're feeling unloved, that you can still love. That when your child is screaming in your face, I hate you, you can still love them. Spank their butt, but then you can love them. My dad used to tell me all the time when I knew when mom said, you wait till your dad gets home, oh, crap. (laughs) And what was the worst thing was that we would have to go to our room, sit on our bed, and wait till dad got home. And the whole time I knew what was going to happen. I didn't even care about the spanking. Yes, that was going to hurt. But I knew what he was going to do, because he did it every time. He would sit on the bed next to me, and tears had already started welling up in his eyes. And why'd you have to do it, Brenda? I don't know. It just comes out sometimes. (laughs) You know what I'm going to have to do? Yeah, I know. And then he always said the same thing. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I didn't understand why why did I keep doing the things that broke my father's heart? Why do I keep doing this? His heart was more important to me than anything else. God's trying to get us to understand that same kind of love. He doesn't love you any less on your bad days. He can't love you any more on your good days. He just wants you to trust him with your whole heart. He's got so much more love for you, but you have to love as he loves. You have to love yourself as he loves you, unconditionally, not based on your performance. Then you can love others. Then you can love with that unconditional love. In our marriage enrichment life group this week, we handed out devotions that were... We're each committed to sit down as a couple and read this devotion and read through the Bible and check off this little Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just so that we're trying to build a regular devotion time with our spouse. And in the Love Dare book, I don't remember if it was day one or day two, they gave what was called a love test. And I, I've been through this a hundred times before. It just kind of stuck with me. This I, I don't know if we just kind of said, oh, we knew that scripture. We don't need to read it again. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love test is that they ask you to go through verses 4 through 7 and replace the word love or it with your name. And check. Here's a love test. I'll pick on Aaron. (laughs) Aaron is patient. Aaron is kind. Aaron does not envy. Aaron does not boast. Aaron is not proud. Aaron does not dishonor others. Aaron is not self-seeking. Aaron is not easily angered. Aaron keeps no record of wrongs. Aaron does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. Aaron always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. That's a love test. You want to know, are you loving like God? That's the love test right there. So simple. First Corinthians chapter 13. Take those verses, verse 4 through 7, and place your name in there and ask yourself, that's what Brian and I did. He did, did you do my name and I did, he did my name, I did his name. And then I looked at him, I said, is that Brian? He said, no, not all the time. I said, well, I could have told you that. No, I didn't. I did not. Stop it. But that's the love test open up that scripture and put your name in there is that how I'm loving if it's not that's how you need to be loving you can start focusing on loving right not living right stop trying to do that if all you focused on was how you're supposed to live right you would be no better off than a Pharisee or sad you see and see they're only fair you see and they're kind of sad you see Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but it's dead, dry, dusty inside. If all you do is focus on how to do all the right things, you've missed it. God is about love. God is love. All we need to do is focus